mate. How are you doing this week? It is so good to have you here for another episode of the Exponential Performance Podcast. Now, in this episode, we jump into a gear junkie where we take a look at my first thoughts of my new Lems Primal 2 Minimalist Shoe. These things are next level. Then we jump into a listener Q&A about training in the off-season and how to best maintain your fitness through those dark winter months. And finally, we're taking a look at sleep. It is such an important thing. Not many people tell you about it. So let's find out how you can get some free performance-enhancing simply by going to bed a little earlier. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Matty Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. G'day mate, it is so good to have you back here with me on another episode of the Exponential Performance Podcast, episode 11, episode 11. We officially made it to 10 episodes, 10 weeks running. This is our 11th. I hope you are finding these podcasts useful. I hope you're using the content to help you work towards your goals and make yourself that little bit better each week. Thanks for all the feedback that you gave from last week's interview that I did with Wonder Woman Jan Taylor and all of her marathon efforts, especially over in the Sahara Desert at Marathon de Sables. It was such an inspirational story and it touched a lot of people and I am so pleased that it did. I am so lucky with what I do that I get to work with so many amazing people on a daily basis and I'm so pleased that her story had such a profound effect on so many of you. So thank you for sending me in that feedback. I will let Jan know about it. If you have any follow-up questions for Jan, or if you've got any ideas of people that you'd like me to interview on this podcast, let me know, because at the end of the day, I want to keep giving you the information and the inspiration that you need to go out and tackle your big goals. That's enough for me. I'm going to try and keep the podcast a little short this time based on your feedback. If you've got any ideas of how long you'd like the podcast to be, let me know. But without further ado, let's jump into it. We're jumping straight into Gear Junkie today where we're looking at my first impressions of the Lems Primal 2 Minimalist Shoe. Let's get into it. So, I have been using the Lems Primal 2 shoes for about two weeks now. About two weeks. Now, these shoes are next level. I'm, go- I'm just going to be honest. They're next level. I had been eagerly awaiting the arrival of my new pair of Lems Primal 2 shoes from Focus Physio. Ever since I heard... Physio Josh Ong, who we had on the Exponential Performance Podcast in Episode 9. 
ever since I heard Josh talking about them on the rest day with Mike and Ryan podcast. So he talked about the Lem's shoes. He's the importer of them into New Zealand. And I was like, far out. These shoes sound awesome. Josh is a physio that I respect so much. And I was like, if this guy is recommending these, I want to check them out. So what are they? In essence, they're a minimalist shoe. They're a minimalist shoe. But I really like the concept behind them and just the just the values of the company that makes them. What what I really liked about Lems was their story, their background. They are not they're not like our other shoe companies that so often you buy. And they're not like your Nikes or your Adidas. They're not a you know massive multi nation global company that exploits workers around the world. They're just a small American-run company, 100% family-owned, they say. They have no shareholders, no directors. They are just a wee crew of very passionate people looking to make really cool, simple shoes. They're based out of Boulder, Colorado. I have no association with them. I'm not an affiliate. I don't get any kickback from them. I was just really keen to uh, try these. So I got in touch with Josh Ong from Focus Physio, and uh, he arranged me a pair of these shoes. And I've been in them about two weeks now, and I am, you know, super impressed thus far. So what's the deal with them? They are a zero-drop shoe, so they've got a flat sole. The heel is the same as the toe. They are extremely flexible you can you can roll these things up into a ball uh, and they are also very very light featherweight on average i think they're coming in just under 200 grams 200 grams per shoe which is super light i will be interested to see how robust these shoes are because for a shoe that lightweight you have to wonder actually how robust they are. But I will give you feedback on that as I get more time in them. The thing I really love about these shoes is the toe box. They've got a really wide toe box, meaning that your toes aren't squished up in there. They are able to display and, and function as normal as if you were in bare feet. So, so far, the Lems Primal 2 shoes have been awesome. They have been absolutely awesome. And what I'll do is I will continue my updates of these shoes um, as as I go and as I get more time in them. But first impressions are awesome. If you want to check out the Lems shoes, head over to lemsshoes.com and that's L-E-M-S, Lems. Check out what they've got to offer. They don't just do the primal, they also do boots and they also do really cool work shoes for both men and women that enable you to be in a zero-drop, work kind of leather-looking shoe, but still have the wide toe box and all the benefits that come with a minimalist shoe, just so that you're not wrecking your feet while you're at work every day. If you're in New Zealand and you want to get uh, a pair of these shoes, get in contact with Josh Ong at Focus Physio. I will put all of the links and information in the show notes over at the Exponential Performance Coaching website.
me, my main man, Tom Downs here, fresh off a top race season. So I did your motor taboo and your contact epic training program, which were fantastic. Thank you very much for that. Helped me fly through those. My question would be, after doing those programs, my fitness level is pretty good. Race season is over. How or what tips do you have about maintaining as much of that fitness as I can? Uh, probably, let's be honest, as easy as I can over the next uh, few months before getting back into some decent training. Thanks for the question, Tom. First of all, congratulations on your race season uh, with the Motor Tapu and the Contact Epic mountain bike events. I'm pleased to hear you found my online training programs useful. So what do we do over the off-season, over the winter, if you're not racing? How can you maintain that fitness? Well, first of all, if we just back up the truck a little bit and have a think. If you have been building up for a peak event, such as the, the Contact Epic, which I know was your last event, then it's, it is really important that you take some time off after this event, just to let your body and your mind recover. And what I recommend is two weeks following your event. With the uh, first of these weeks being a complete recovery week, so as in not doing any training of any sorts. So just a complete recovery week to allow all of those stress hormones to come back down under control, give you some time away from your specific sport, uh, and give you know a bit of a mental and physical recovery. Often this first week you will feel like you need it. If you've raced hard enough and pushed yourself hard, you should be sore for you know a few days following your event anyway, so you don't feel like you want to do too much. And often in this first week after a race, you're quite tired and run down anyway, so the rest and the recovery comes naturally, so to speak. In the second week, what I suggest you do is take a week of unstructured training and what I mean by that is that during this week if you feel like getting out whether it be on the bike for a run paddle into the gym to do some strength work then by all means do it but I have two rules the first rule is that the session needs to be short you know less than 45 minutes and the second rule is it needs to be easy sort of zone one to two active recovery type uh, training. So in the second week, if you feel like getting out and doing something, if you're a little bit ADHD and you need your training fix or your exercise fix, then by all means get out there and do something, but don't feel like you have to. And if you do get out there and do something, keep it easy and keep it short. Often in the second week following a big race, this is where athletes actually get sick, um, get ill with a cold or a flu, whatever it might be. And often that's because over that first week following your event, your stress hormones are still quite high, and this serves as a little bit of a protective effect, keeps your immune system sort of pumping in that survival mode. Once the body realizes that it can dial everything back and take it easy, it knows that it can sort of take a breath, if you like, and this is where often your body lets down its guard and bang, you're full fall over with a flu you know or a cold or you just feel average so don't be surprised if in that second week that you get sick even though in that first week you felt great so what happens after these two weeks 
Well, for you who's going into an off-season or a winter phase, what I would suggest is rather than trying to maintain your fitness, is to let it slip a little bit. It's the natural cycle of training and peaking. You cannot maintain your peak form for a long period of time, and that's why it's called peaking. It comes to a natural peak. And if you do try and go and maintain it or build from from this peak state over this off or winter phase, what you will find is that in a month or two, you are going to end up crashing or ending up stale, physically and mentally exhausted or injured. So what I would suggest is give yourself the permission to let that fitness drop a little bit. What's going to happen first is that you're going to get a decrease in your race fitness, if you like, or your speed, that ability to hold a high race pace, your anaerobic threshold. The reason that you get a decrease in this first is because you won't be using this a lot over the winter phase unless you're doing lots of regular racing. So it's an expensive, how do I say it? It's an expensive state for your body to be in because it's got your body's got to have all of these enzymes to support this process. And if those enzymes, those structures aren't being used, just like anything in the body, the body will start getting rid of them to make it a more cost-effective way of existing. So the age-old adage of if you don't use it, you you lose it is very, very true. So what you'll find is you'll find that your race sharpness or that speed drops you know, relatively quickly. And don't be afraid when that happens. Have faith that while that race speed drops, your endurance, that base aerobic endurance, is going to hang around a lot longer. And the reason this is going to hang around is because where your speed adaptations were quite enzymatic in nature, the endurance adaptations are actually quite structural in nature. And what I mean by structural is that, you know, your heart actually gets bigger. You get more blood, you get more red blood cells, you get more capillaries out into your muscles, you get more mitochondria being produced in your muscle. So these are actually structural things that happen in your body. And this is why your endurance or your aerobic endurance capacity takes quite a long time to develop because your body's actually making these new structural things. But that's also why you can lose your top end race fitness but still have a really good base because of these structural things. They're not just going to disappear overnight. They're going to take a while to degrade and, and, and leave you. So I guess where I'm going with this is over winter, let that top edge of your fitness decrease if you don't have any races until, say, summer. And then work on maintaining that base or... If you want to put in some time over winter, building that base. So how would you go about building that base or maintaining that over winter with, as you suggested, minimal input or minimal work? So for you who's a mountain bike um, athlete training for you know endurance mountain bike events, you can probably get away with two to three rides per week and quite happily maintain or even build on your current level of uh, base endurance or aerobic capacity. 
I would say don't you know worry too much about that top end as we talked about let that naturally cycle away and you'll quite happily build that back quite quickly in the following season so if you had two to three rides per week what would they look like well what I definitely suggest is try and have uh, a longer type ride on the weekend as you naturally would somewhere between you know 90 minutes and over that way we're just maintaining that endurance base I'd highly recommend if you want to maximize this time on your long ride in the weekend is doing some nutrient deprivation training where you go out in the morning before you have breakfast and you ride without consuming any fuel or carbohydrate calories that you know no fuel you're not fueling the body I've talked about this in previous podcasts and what it does is it just helps fast track those adaptations or it'll minimize the time you require to give your body the training impulse that it needs to maintain those adaptations that you've developed. So that would be session number one. Session number two, if I only could do two sessions a week, I'd do a long session, nutrient deprived as I just talked about, and the second session would be a high intensity interval session somewhere in midweek. What would this high intensity interval session look like? Well, there are so many different options out there. And there's definitely not one or another that you can go for. Essentially, you want to go really, really hard for a short period of time, however long you decide that's going to be, and then dial it back, go easy for a little bit, and then get back in there and crack into it again. The key thing is the intensity during the workload. The intensity during the workload. It needs to be a maximal intensity. So some really, you know, key sessions or classic sessions of this repeated high intensity intensity uh, training or HIT as a lot of people like to refer to it is you know the classic Tabata set where you're doing 20 seconds maximal 10 seconds recovery 20 seconds maximal 10 seconds recovery if you repeat that eight times you get four minutes of absolute hard work and that's been shown to be highly effective for developing not only aerobic capacity, but your anaerobic capacity as well. That's a that's a brutal session. Give it a go if you like, um, but be aware that it is quite brutal and you probably will feel quite ill afterwards. The other classic sort of sessions is 30 seconds maximal, four and a half minutes of recovery. If you repeat that five times, it gives you about a 30-minute session with a wee warm-up and a cool-down. And again, that's been shown to be as effective as 60 minutes at steady state. By all means, you can keep building the to longer intervals. However, keeping it short, keeping that intensity maximal is going to help you save time. Those longer intervals are really, really good for developing the anaerobic threshold. Best to keep those for later down the line when you're going to need them the most rather than during your winter phase. So if I had to do two sessions a week, that's what they'd be. Um, a long session using the nutrient deprivation guidelines which I will post um, some links to in the show notes and then the uh, second session would be uh, a high intensity interval session. If I had to have a third session in there I would highly recommend some time working on your skills if you're a mountain bike athlete just getting in hitting the single track having a play having some fun um, you know, 
do some hills in there as well if you wanted, but they're going to just creep in there naturally if you're out riding the trail. So get out there and have some fun and enjoyment over this time um, and get those skills as well. So there you go, mate. I hope that helps answer your question. If you want any more specifics about that and uh, you know you want a more clear answer for specifically for your situation, feel free to send me in another question and I will do my best to answer it. So there you have it, there's listener Q&A for today. If you do have your own question, head over to the Exponential Performance Coaching website underneath the podcast tab, send me in a voice message as a way to say thank you for your time for sending me that question. I am going to send you a free copy of the Performance Temple Handbook, absolutely free, so you can help that so you can use that to help it better inform your training build-up. So there we have it. That's Listener Q&A. Let's dive into Lessons from the Lab. In today's episode of Lessons from the Lab, we are talking sleep. Now, sleep is very, very important for for athletes and for for everyone in general really if you don't sleep you die at the end of the day but just how important sleep is is starting to become more and more realized and I guess this is because sleep one isn't that sexy by any extent of the imagination and two there's there's not much money to be made on sleep until someone invents something that you know helps you sleep better or they want to get your money somehow to teach you how to sleep better I guess but on the whole there's not much money to be made from sleep when you think of it in comparison of you know supplements or gear or shoes or bikes or power meters or heart rate monitors and all that other stuff that's out there those things everyone knows is quite important and they know how to use them because there's a lot of money involved in them And when there's money involved, there's people there telling you what you need to know so that you give them your money. When it comes to sleep, it's not quite the same, is it? Everyone goes to sleep, you know, at least once a day normally, and they wake up and they get on with it. There's not a lot of thought put into it. And there's also a bit of an attitude, especially in the modern culture, I guess, in your ability to tolerate insufficient sleep. It's a bit of a a bit of a strength or being a bit of a hard man, you know, the grind, getting after it, you know, not sleeping, uh, you know, chasing that success. There's definitely that sort of image around at the moment. You know, you just have to look at YouTube and there's a bunch of, you know, motivational videos about how you don't need to sleep. And for sure, I think there are some times where, you know, some people probably need to get up a bit earlier and get after it. But when we're looking at sleep for athletic performance, depending on what your goals are, it is super important. So it seems athletic performance deteriorates even with quite mild sleep loss. And there's deterioration seen across speed, endurance, and performance accuracy. The research around strength is less well-defined at the moment, but speed endurance and performance accuracy are quite well researched and quite well known so it's not just 
before a key performance that you need to think about this because you have a think about it. If your speed, endurance, and performance accuracy is decreased when you don't sleep well, if you're going into training sessions without adequate sleep or even just mild sleep loss, then every training session you do is going to be slightly less than what you would have been able to do with greater sleep. Meaning that every training session, the adaptations that you get are slightly less because the load was slightly less because you were slightly tired. Hope that makes sense. And also, more recently, there's a lot of data out there starting to indicate that increasing total sleep time can significantly improve performance in those areas that we just talked about, speed, endurance, and performance accuracy. So what I want to do today is just have a little bit more of a dig into these things and have a talk about how they may apply to you as a performance athlete. So the key areas I want to focus on are injury, illness, uh, weight management, pain tolerance, and endurance because those are the things I believe would best apply to you. I talked about this in a previous uh, podcast episode. I cannot remember off the top of my head what it is, but I will post a note in the show notes about it. That it's been found that athletes who slept less than eight hours a night were found to be about 1.7 times more likely to experience a significant injury compared to those who slept more than eight hours a night, which is pretty pretty key just off the bat there. And this is even more important for adolescent athletes so if you're an adolescent athlete you really need to make sure you're getting your sleep the other thing is illness susceptibility so what they did in this research is they got people to sleep less than seven hours a night and another group to sleep more than eight hours a night and then they did a crossover as well so it was it was a randomized crossover control and what they did was they gave these people a cold virus so they injected them with a cold virus and what they found was amazingly interesting those who slept less than seven hours per night were three times more likely to develop a cold than those who slept eight hours a night so both groups here you've got to understand this both groups were given the same virus but those who slept less than seven hours a night, were three times more likely to actually get the virus and the symptoms associated with a cold, sore throat, runny nose, you know, feeling groggy, whatever it might be, than those, three times more likely than those that slept more than eight hours. So sleep has been shown to be super important for the immune system. So if you want to avoid getting consistent colds, and viruses, especially over this winter time, focus on getting at least eight hours of sleep a night. At least eight hours. What's also been shown is that if you sleep for less than six hours a night, you're significantly more likely to catch a cold, get a get a cold virus, than those who slept seven hours or more a night. So we're only talking we're not talking big differences in the amount of sleep you're getting in both of these cases the difference is about an hour so if you can get an hour extra sleep you're looking at about a three times 
improvement in your immune system compared to if you get an hour less. So, moral of the story, immune system is extremely affected by sleep. So make sure you get that sleep. The other thing that is extremely affected by sleep is weight management. And the the reason the reason sleep is so important for weight maintenance or weight management is that when you get less sleep, there are changes in the metabolic hormones in the body that are related to appetite and food consumption. And what has been found is that these hormones actually change the way you think about food on a subconscious level, and it changes your intake patterns. There's a shift towards increase in carbohydrate intake, and snacks, and increased portion size. And there's a decreased ability to actually process that glucose. So just by not sleeping, it changes your hormone balance in your body, which changes your behaviors towards food, which is incredible. And then not only that, you're dumping all of this extra carbohydrate into your body, potentially through poor food choices, increased snacking, but your body is actually at a reduced level to be able to metabolize that glucose, that sugar that's coming into your body, which all relates into, you know, fat production, weight gain at the end of the day. So again, get to sleep. It's super important. And the other one that I found really interesting was pain tolerance. So it's been found that sleep is intimately involved in pain regulation. And one study found that there was an 8% decrease in pain threshold tolerance after a single night of sleep deprivation. So 8% decrease in your pain tolerance after one night. On the flip side, another study found that if you extended your sleep opportunities for four nights in a row, so if you just got extra sleep, then you could increase your pain tolerance by 20%. 20%. That is huge. 20% increase in your pain tolerance. So this is not only, you've got to keep this in mind for racing, but also training on a day-to-day basis. If you're going into training with a decreased pain tolerance, you're not going to be able to push as hard in your key sessions. You're going to decrease your intensity earlier. It's just going to have a big snowballing effect as these little adaptation decreases start to add up. So hopefully that tells you how important sleep is. I've gone on about it before, but it is super important. So what can we do to maximize your sleep? Now, some people will be listening to this and goes, oh, this guy's got no idea what he's talking about. I can't get to sleep. My kids get up in the middle of the night. You know, the dog spews on the floor in the middle of the night, and I've got to get up and clean it. I've got to get up for work. You know, I've got a whole series to watch on Netflix. I can't get to bed before 11 o'clock because I'm tied up with that. I work late. You know, all of those things are my excuses too. All of those things. You know, I've got two kids who One of them does not sleep very well at all. We've got early starts. We've got, you know, early morning, by early morning, I mean sort of two or three o'clock interruptions. Two dogs that, you know, huff and puff all night and they're getting old, so you've got to let them out and go to the toilet. So I'm well aware of, you know, the excuses or the, the obstacles that you face with your sleep. 
I work late, I get up early and I work in the mornings as well. And this is a constant battle that I am always working on as well. And that's why I want to share some of these tips with you because I want to show you that small changes can add up to make big differences. You'll remember that that illness susceptibility, that was only a difference of an hour to get an improvement in your immune system. An improvement in your immune system just by sleeping an extra hour. Okay, so it's it's kind of easy to do. So the, the first way of improving your sleep is just to get more total sleep. More total sleep. Adults should be getting at least seven to nine hours of sleep per night. Seven to nine hours, okay? And if you're young... If you're adolescents, then potentially nine or more hours a night is appropriate for you just because of the increased growing, the brain development, everything that's going on in your body. This is what happens when you sleep. Now, athletes need more sleep than non-athletes. Should be kind of straightforward. So if you are an adult, then you're going to need more than seven to nine hours per night. If you are an adolescent, then having over nine hours if you're an adolescent athlete is going to be important. Now, these numbers here can be hard to get your head around, okay? Especially if you find it hard to get sleep at the best of times. So there's one sort of research that indicates that athletes should obtain about 80 hours of sleep per week. Per week. Okay, that there is about 11 and a half hours of sleep every 24 hour period, which is a huge amount. And unless you're a professional athlete that is able to go to bed early, sleep in and then get a couple of naps, that there would be quite hard. I would imagine, let me know your thoughts, would be quite hard for the average person who's trying to train and work and has a family as well to actually get I think a really good place to start is trying to get that eight hours just getting a solid eight hours anything more than that's a bonus anything under that is a bit of a work on so rather than trying to shoot for that upper limit of 11 and a half hours per 24 hours let's just work on getting eight hours a night solid and consistent and then build from there if you can. If you can slot in a nap, great. But if your boss doesn't like the idea of you having a nap underneath your desk after lunch, then it's probably not going to be happening. So let's be honest about that. So let's aim for that eight hours a night. How are we going to improve your sleep quality? Because they've found that quality, the quality of your sleep is almost important as the quantity, okay? So... I've done a video on this on YouTube and I will post a link to that in the show notes at the Exponential Performance Coaching website under episode 11 of the podcast. But what we want to do briefly is your ideal sleeping environment wants to be cool, dark, quiet and comfortable. And it's sort of termed sleeping in a cave. The whole idea is to make the room cool so that you can lose body heat. Your body needs to drop about a degree in temperature before it's able to go to sleep. If you're in a hot room, it's very hard for that heat to be offloaded. 
Obviously, it wants to be dark. This is how our body recognizes that it's night and wants to sleep. It wants to be quiet for obvious reasons and also comfortable. So a lot of these things are quite controllable. For example, if it's hot, you can get a fan in your room. If it's light, you can get an eye mask or you can go around and tape over all those little lights that are flashing in your room. You can get light blocking window shades or heavy curtains to reduce the light. If there's noise, earplugs are a great option. In terms of comfort, this comes into play when you're traveling. If you're an athlete that does a lot of travel, or maybe you have to travel a lot for your job and have to stay in a lot of different motels, I would say the number one thing for comfort in a foreign environment is your pillow. I absolutely hate going places and having to sleep on different pillows that are too big, too small, have a bloody you know, plastic cover on them that sounds like a hurricane every time you roll over. So your own pillow is crucial. You could, you know, up that to a mattress topper or or as Team Sky did for Chris Froome, they uh, carried his whole mattress around the Tour de France with him in the lead up to the Olympics. So depending on what your budget is, chuck your pillow on your bag, have a think about making yourself a nice little cave that is cool, dark, quiet and comfortable that you can sleep in to maximize those adaptations. Other key things is caffeine. You know, don't use caffeine after about lunchtime, and this is because of the half-life, around three to seven hours for most adults. If you stop at lunchtime, that caffeine should be out of your system by the time you need to go to bed. Alcohol consumption is also something we want to avoid about three to four hours prior to going to sleep. While the initial effects of alcohol are quite sedating, as alcohol is processed by the body, it can have a significant disruptive effect on the onset of sleep. So if you're the type of person who needs to have an alcoholic drink after work to unwind, but then still can't find yourself trying to, you know, get to getting to sleep in the evening, then this could be something that you want to eliminate or at least minimize for the best option. And then the real color at the moment is screen time. The blue light that's admitted from screens, such as tablets, cell phones, computers, TVs, the blue light, and the reason that's called blue light is just it's blue. If you've ever seen someone watching a TV in a dark room, you'll notice that it looks blue. The whole room looks blue. That's because the TV or the screen is admitting blue light. This blue light, in short, it just messes with your body's sleep hormone, primarily melatonin. And it's been found that even one to two hours of tablet use before bed can have a significant impact on your melatonin release. So try to avoid screen time. If you are having trouble falling asleep, then minimize the amount of screen time. Other things that you can do leading in to your bedtime to help you start to wind down to decrease that sympathetic fight, flight or freeze response and crank up that parasympathetic rest and digest activity is about an hour before bed, wind down with some non-productive activity such as reading, taking a bath, doing some gentle stretching, some light foam rolling. All of these things are going to help increase your parasympathetic nervous system which is going to help you get to sleep. So I hope that one indicates to you how important sleep is 
for training and competition and then hopefully that gives you some hints about how you can maximize your sleep on a day-to-day basis if you've got any more questions about sleep please let me know send me in a question I would be really keen to know how much sleep you get on average each night so post a comment how much sleep do you get each night Post a comment below, whether it be in YouTube, whether it be over on SoundCloud, whether it's on Facebook. Post a message. Let me know how much sleep do you get each night. Very interested to know. Ah, it's good to see you're still here. I hope you found this episode of the Exponential Performance Podcast useful and helpful for you now if it's getting late at night i want you to shut this off right now and get to bed and get that sleep or if you're listening to this during the day i want to make sure that you make a commitment to yourself to get to bed a little earlier tonight doesn't have to be much but remember just by improving your sleep each night it can make such a huge difference on so many aspects of your body. And remember, there's not going to be too many people out there telling you about this because it doesn't really make anybody any money. But for you, it's free performance enhancing. And all you got to do is get to bed a little earlier. So get out there, get to bed, train hard, but most importantly, train smart. I'll talk to you next week.